there's a strong anointing very often in a small group where the presence of the Lord is manifest and you receive something, something special. It's almost in a, a big group people can hide away. In a small group, God works on the hearts of everybody present. And if you've come here, chances are God's going to touch you this morning. I can sense His presence. I can sense such a strong anointing. It's very electric, very powerful. I know that He's doing something, and I wish I was in on everything that God does on a Sunday morning, but we only get to hear about it afterwards. Sometimes God will use us in our ignorance, and praise the Lord He does that, because it takes the pressure off us. We don't have to know everything. We leave it to Him. We don't have to understand what He's doing. We just know that His way is the right way. There's a very powerful scripture in Psalm 127. And I'm going to use this as the title of the message this morning. Very powerful as it speaks about the church movement. But it also speaks about our individual lives as people. Whenever God says He's going to do something through a church, understand that God is also talking about an individual So if God says He's going to build His church, if God said He's going to put up an edifice, that means God is going to build the individuals and edify them too. So Psalm 127 verse 1 says, Unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain who build it. Unless God has your life in His hand, Unless God is doing the work in your life, you can strive to succeed and there will always be a sense of futility. You might have the appearance of success, but there's always this subconscious sense of, I wonder if my full potential is being used here. I wonder if other opportunities might have come along. I wonder if other doors might have opened. But if you're connected to God and you have His Divine and supernatural assistance, you can know beyond a shadow of a doubt that God is opening doors that man cannot open. And God will shut doors that look inviting that may end in disaster. Very powerful. It goes on in that scripture to say, Unless the Lord guards the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. It goes on to say that God gives His people rest. And really, if you come to God, Jesus made some outstanding promises. The first promise He made was that you will get supernatural assistance in your life. He said, I'm not going to leave you orphans. I am going to give you the edge. I am going to give you some supernatural assistance, and that's a promise. And what's really nice about this promise is we can go back and research it. Say, well, where's the evidence? Show me the evidence. And we can go back and find it. There's great evidence for the promise of Jesus Christ in giving us divine and supernatural assistance in every area of our lives. That's wonderful. I get excited when I I meditate on that. He makes some extravagant promises. Listen to this. I'm going to read to you from John chapter 14. Just listen to this for a minute and let it permeate through the mental ascent deep into the spirit. Let it ring a chord in your spirit to know that God is going to do something and He's going to do it now. 
God is present. God is with us. Sometimes we do church for so many years, we kind of go along with the flow, but we need to be like little children and come back and say, hang on a minute, what was that original promise? The original promise was that God dwells in you and He will do signs and wonders through you and you will become a supernatural person as you are part of the royal priesthood of believers who make up the body of Christ, who walk around, whose head is the Lord Jesus Christ, who is anointed with an anointing that flows to every part of the body. And no matter how we connect it to the body, the anointing and the power and the supernatural ability of God rests on us. Amen. And this is not just fables. This is real. This is experiential. This is God in us working it out. Jesus in John chapter 14 verse 16 said this, And I will pray the Father, and He will give you another helper, that He may abide with you forever. There's a couple of very extravagant things there. One is is that when you say to Christ, yes, come into my life, He is going to be with you forever. It's absolute. It's not for a season. It's not just for the tough times. It's forever. Sometimes when I'm going through a dark time, I'll reach my hand up and say, Christ, are you there? And I feel the anointing of the Holy Spirit come upon me and I know that I'm not alone. I'm not alone in this. Christ is with me. The power of the Holy Ghost is in me. He says there, I will send you another helper. And when Jesus said another, the Greek translation of another is alos. And alos means exactly the same as but slightly different. In that I will go to the fridge after I've just had a Coke and I will get another Coke. Just like the other. But I know it's not the same, but it's that similar. And Jesus is saying, look, I'm going, but it's as if I'm not going to be gone. For you, I'm going to be here. When we get this revelation, there's a supernatural breakthrough. It's called revival. Because we realize that we are supernatural people walking in Pentecost with the Pentecostal gifts and abilities, the, the Pentecostal... Uh, talents that God gives His people, supernatural abilities to do the work of God. When we realize that the work of God becomes very easy, it just flows from a place of the Spirit, we can rest. God does the work and we lie back and watch what He does. If we're not trusting God, we're going to trust our programs, we're going to trust all the things that we do to make it exciting. But sometimes we need to just say, Lord, where are you? I've seen people flocking to mud huts in Africa where they don't have big screens, where they've got no sound system. But signs and wonders and miracles are breaking out as the evangelist preaches. I've seen people knocked off their seats by the power of the Holy Spirit as the evangelist preaches, knocked off their seats in the dust of Africa, relying on the power of God. Thousands walking days to get to church because they want what they've got. That's the difference. And that's what God can do. So this other helper is the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it it neither sees him nor knows him. But you will know him 
for he dwells with you and he will be in you. Jesus says, I will not leave you orphans, I will come to you. Here's the challenge. On the day of Pentecost, there was a visible manifestation of God's presence. There was Shekinah glory in that house as tongues of fire danced over every individual. Now we're Pentecostal. We must experience that. We must experience the moving of the Holy Spirit to that degree where people are under the influence of God. And it's undeniable. I used to go to a mainline church when I was a little boy and it was very dry. And people read out of a book. And there was a little red light up in the front and I once said to my mom, Mom, what's that little red light up in the front there? She said, oh my boy, that's where the Holy Spirit lives. <laughs> okay, so he's not living with me. And I thought that was church. I never really wanted to connect to church. But I'm telling you, when God reached out and touched me and touched me by the power of his spirit, it was something that I wanted. I did not want church. I wanted relationship with Jesus Christ through his Holy Spirit. Very powerful stuff. I didn't want to come and sit in a room and read out of a book. I wanted to feel the moving of God in my spirit. I wanted Him to do signs and wonders in my life. I wanted supernatural ability and gifts to be working 24-7. And I didn't really believe it was possible until 1998 God touched me and I saw the whole of the spirit and what God can do through the spirit. And I said, this is it. This is it. It's real. And then I thought, I wonder why the newspapers aren't writing about this stuff. Man, this is newsworthy. That God can take people out of their life situations, turn them around, set them on fire, and change generations, communities. It was outstanding. And there's irrefutable evidence of the supernatural side of this. Whenever I talk to people, and I'm in the counseling game, and I try and gently influence everybody towards Jesus Christ as gently as I can without being overbearing because I'm not really allowed to be preaching Christ at work. <laughs> but here's the thing. People always say to me, where's the evidence? And we need to come up as Christians with a couple of powerful pointers Some of these powerful pointers are simple and yet profound. Jesus was witnessed to be alive after his death by many, many, many people. And when they wrote the Gospels, many of these people were still alive. When they wrote the book of Acts, many of these people were still alive. When Paul wrote Corinthians, many of those people were still alive. It wasn't a secret that Jesus had been raised from the dead. There was supernatural power in that event that was common knowledge at the time. And this is a really great starting point. This happened. Christ was killed. Somehow this corpse was raised by the power of God. And that puts a stamp and a seal of authority on everything that happens from that event. Every claim that is made... Everything that Jesus said carries heavy weight. Because listen, 
there's some miracle-working supernatural power here that we can't explain. The world will try and explain it, and so many atheists have said to me, you know what, he didn't really die on that cross. So No, he really did die on that cross. He really did. He was a goner. And he was a goner for a long time. They stuck him away. He was finished. If you take any natural man and you whip him and you hang him and then you stick him in a cave without food and water when he should be getting medical treatment, he'll be a goner too. Christ was dead. And Christ has risen. And that means Christ will come again. <laughs> My mainline training wasn't in vain. <laughs> And if he's coming again, and it happened like the Bible said it happened, what's for us? Another helper. And we've received him. But I can guarantee you, we're not walking in the fullness of the Holy Spirit. We're not walking in the fullness of the Holy Spirit because I don't see the tongues of fire. I'm not seeing signs and wonders on a revival level like I know are possible, like I've seen in other nations. Outstanding works of God that frighten men and women. Are oh, you just a Christian? But when you're walking in the power of God, people walk around you in awe because something is different. There's some men... Okay, there's a lot of dodgy stuff in Africa, but there's some men who are real men of God in Africa whose gifting from the Lord has worked miracles in people's lives. And there's a genuine fear and respect in that community for those men. They will not speak ill of them because they have an understanding that they're speaking ill of a higher power that they don't fully understand and they can't grasp. And so they take a step back and they give these men great respect. And we know that when the church is walking in the fullness of the Holy Spirit, it has respect of the community and society in general. When the church is not walking in the fullness of the Holy Spirit, society in general mock and scorn the church. But you look at past revivals. As soon as God moves, everybody's on board. And it's not a case of us trying to do it in our own strength. It's a case of us saying, Father God, have your way. Holy Spirit, welcome. You minister. Holy Spirit, you give me divine appointments. Holy Spirit, you work signs and wonders in my life. Holy Spirit, you release this anointing. Holy Spirit, shine through me. Listen to this in verse 21. Jesus speaking. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him, and I will manifest myself to him. So as we love Christ, and we only love him as we get to know him, and we only get to know him as we read the scriptures, as we love Christ... So he manifests himself to us. And the, the Greek word for manifest, we get the English word emphasize from that word. Emphasize. The Greek word is this. Enfanizoe. Enfanizoe. 
And we get the word emphasize. In other words, Christ says, if you love me, you will be loved by my Father. And I will begin to emphasize or manifest or I will begin to shine or stand out to you. You will begin to see me. And, and, and to me, this shows different levels and different degrees. The more we tap into Christ, the more we begin to see Him. The more we begin to see Him, the more we begin to walk in that mighty supernatural anointing of the Holy Spirit. Kind of similar, Elijah saying to Elisha, if you can see me when I'm taken, you'll have a double anointing. In other words, if your spiritual eyes are open, you'll have a greater anointing. And Elisha saw Elijah getting taken up and he received a double portion. If we can see what Jesus is doing, if we can understand the heartbeat of Jesus Christ, if we can tap into the Holy Spirit, we will have revival. We will have revival. I'm going to move to 1 Corinthians 15 just briefly. Let's have a look at this. I'm going to fly to the book of Acts. I just want to touch on a few things that we need to recognize here. Just to solidify in our hearts that this is an event that happened. And we are part of the history of that event. And we can tap into the book of Acts, Day of Pentecost, today. Once we get some things in line in our lives, we can start tapping into that revival spirit. We can start dwelling in that place of revival and we can start really seeing signs and wonders. And it is about seeing signs and wonders. Every sinner who is lost, who comes to Christ in a great and radical conversion, is a sign and a wonder. My friends are still scratching their head. What happened to that guy? What just happened? Some people said, oh, you'll get over it. It's just a phase. It's a very long phase. I think it's going to be with me for eternity. It doesn't just go away. I've been feeling like this for some decades now. <laughs> Paul speaking to the Corinthian church from verse 3. For I delivered to you, first of all, that I received... That Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures. That He was buried and that He rose again on the third day according to the Scriptures. There's the first proof. According to the Scriptures meant that everything that happened to Christ was recorded previously in the Old Testament. If you want to have more information, then just read the book of Matthew. It's full of references to this happened because of that prophecy. This happened because of that prophecy. So Paul's saying this is part of the plan all along. He died according to the plan, and you can go and find out the plan's there. First proof, irrefutable, you can't argue with it. It's down and black and white. Centuries and centuries and centuries before Christ died, it's there. Can't disagree with it. It knocks one of the legs out from your argument. The second one is this. He was seen by Cephas, which is Peter, and then by the twelve. After that, he was seen by over 500 brethren at once. Christ had a church service with 500 people present. 
and he had pierced hands and he had a pierced side and he said to 500 people, it is I who died and rose again and I have victory and I'm going to give that victory to you in the life to come. 500 people. People say, oh, I thought he only appeared to the 12 disciples. He spoke to 500 people and he explained the scriptures to them and he said, that scripture means that. Wouldn't you have loved to be in that meeting? 500. It wasn't a secret. They couldn't shut it up. At the time, everybody knew that Christ had been raised from the dead by a supernatural power that nobody could understand and everybody who didn't understand it was in fear and trembling including Herod and Pilate and members of their staff and members of the Sanhedrin. And even Caiaphas was shaking in his boots and he couldn't stop it. There was nothing that the legalistic laws could do to bring a halt to what God was doing. Everybody wanted to talk about the sign and the wonder, which was Christ. He's alive. Isn't that amazing? They crucified this man. They whipped him to a pulp. They try to hide him away. And then he goes and has a meeting and he speaks to 500 people and explains to them exactly what's going on here. It's amazing. After that, he was seen by over 500 brethren at once, of whom the greater part remained to the present. He says, you want more proof? Some of the people who were in that meeting are still alive. That's if you were around in the Corinthians day. You could have researched that. You could have tested him on it and said, Paul, I don't believe you. I don't believe that Jesus Christ had a church meeting with 500 people and he explained the scars in his hands to them. Say, well, there's about 400 people who remain. You can ask them what Jesus said. I'm not the only witness here. There's many, many others who can tell you this is what happened. It goes on to say, after that he was seen by James. James, his half-brother. He has an interesting anecdote. Listen to this. James, the half-brother of Jesus, wanted to take him away when he was teaching, if you read the Gospels, because they said he was crazy. He was claiming to be deity and he embarrassed his family. And they said to him, your family are here. They want to take you away. You're saying some weird stuff. And Jesus said, these are my family, the ones who are receiving my message. James was offended and he went away. Now, extra biblical anecdotal evidence shows that Jesus appeared to his brother James and Paul recorded it. He appeared to his brother James. And some people say he broke bread with him or had communion with him. And after that, James became the chief pastor of Jerusalem. What happened to convince him? If the half-brother of Jesus, who was a skeptic before, became the main pastor in Jerusalem and died for his faith, something's going on. Something's going on there. There's too much evidence for us to write this off and say it's all a load of hogwash. There's too much, I tell you. Too much. Something's going on. 
And we can choose to be part of that something which is going on or say, oh no, it's all a load of myth and nonsense. Very hard to discount it as myth and nonsense when there's just so much evidence packed back to back that Jesus Christ died, that Jesus Christ rose from the dead, that Jesus Christ gave His Holy Spirit to the church on the day of Pentecost. And then, from the day of Pentecost onwards, the whole world was turned upside down by the power of the Holy Spirit, signs and wonders and revival. And we're part of that. We're part of that. We need to hang on to that. We need to believe in that so firmly and so strongly that the power of the Holy Spirit rises out of us like a mighty river and catches everybody up in a tsunami of grace and washes them to the throne of God. That we can't deny that God is doing something extraordinary in our day and we are blessed to be partakers of it. Isn't that wonderful? I'm going to have to finish up now. I could go on in this vein all day long because it is that gripping. It's that exciting. It's that key to who we are as Christians. And I think every one of us longs for that fire of the Holy Spirit. I was in a church in Africa and they had broken away from a mainline church and they'd broken away from some of the older choruses. And some of those older choruses are very anointed. But they had one song that they used to sing. And when they sang that song, it appeared as if the Holy Spirit was falling on the congregation. And I can't say that the Holy Spirit falls on a congregation because the Holy Spirit is in the congregation. The Bible talks about the Holy Spirit falling upon people when they hear the gospel. And it appears that way because sometimes people drop. Something fell on them. <laughs> But they sang a song that went something like this. Fire, 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 fire fall on me. Just like the day of Pentecost, fire fall on me. And as they sang that song, you would see people start getting touched. And the Holy Spirit would begin to minister. They'd have spontaneous healings breaking out. And you'd hear people begin to scream. I don't know what they were screaming about. Some of them were having ear popped open some of them had a heart condition that eased or some of them had a negative spiritual influence leave them. Whatever it was, outstanding. And I went to them afterwards, I said, can you sing that again? They said, oh, we sing it at every meeting. That's, that seems to be the anointed worship song that sets the ministry of the Holy Spirit available to the people. And here's the thing. If we focus on receiving the other, the alos, the one that Jesus said, the Spirit of Christ. If we focus on welcoming Him, if we focus on receiving Him, we won't be building the house in vain because Christ will be building that house. Jesus Christ is real. And I wish I had words to describe just how powerful the ministry of the Holy Spirit is. In a split second... God, through the Holy Spirit, can do what years and years and years of therapy would try and do. And yet do an imperfect job. In a split second, God breaks through there like a bolt of lightning. People go into the presence of God for a second and come back and write a big book on their experience with God, which was one second long. 
There's more out there and we should be dissatisfied with where we are. And as we get hungry for God, so that hunger touches people around us. Amen. Father God, we just come to you this morning. And we say to you, Holy Spirit, you are welcome in this place. We pray that you would be an all-consuming fire in our midst. We open ourselves to you. We thank you that you love us. We thank you that you care for us. And in the midst of us, there you are. Thank you, Father. Lord, every time we meet, we'll remind each other that the power of your Holy Spirit is in our midst for good. And Lord, we release that Holy Spirit anointing right now for healing on this congregation. Holy Spirit, we welcome you and we ask you to begin to move. We release the Holy Spirit's anointing for healing of relationships right now in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. And we rebuke the enemy in the name of Christ. Father, right now we we ask, Lord, that you would open the doors of heaven and pour out a blessing on people who are struggling financially, Lord. I pray, Lord, that this week encouragement would come. In Jesus' mighty name. And I pray, Father God, that those who are seeking the infilling of the Holy Spirit with the gifts of the Holy Spirit would receive that this morning. In Jesus' name. Holy Spirit, we welcome you here. We are nothing without you. Take this church and make it spirit-filled and mighty for God's glory. In Jesus' name. Amen. If you're here this morning... And you wanted ministry, I'd invite you to the front and we lay hands and pray, as the Bible says. If you're here this morning and you've fallen away from your first love, God can restore that. And it's a wonderful and very exciting thing. If you want to experience the move of the Holy Spirit on your life, just come up here and I'll stand in faith with you. And we'll say, Lord, open the spot where your glory comes out. Touch us this morning. If you go after God with all your heart, God will meet you. Some people say, if you mean business with God, God will do business with you. The fact is, is once we open ourselves to God, He does begin to move. And slowly He will begin to manifest Himself in a greater and greater way until you get to the point where you wondered how you missed it and you love where you are. Amen. Let's go into worship. And you can just come up to the front and we'll minister as you need. I'd just seen um, during worship earlier and uh, even when Evelyn spoke and I kept asking um, God just to give me a sign and the sign was a chair and I've seen it happen in Port Vila that people needed release and often we don't know what it's for 
but um, it was released for the whole congregation as well. When we, um, when God spoke to me this in Port Vila, there was about 30 young men standing along the back and we said we'd pray for them. God just said, tell them we'll pray for them. And everybody in the congregation, and over there no women ever, ever pray for anybody, but all the women in the church prayed. We all prayed for each person, each young man individually. Twelve months later, Pat was there, and these men that had never, these young men that were just there because they'd helped lay the concrete, could remember every word that was spoken over them. And that's what I could see here today: that the Holy Spirit and the fire of the Holy Spirit was upon each and every one of us. And each and every one of us had the power to release that onto another person. And each and every one of us were hungry for that. So we've got a chair here. And we've got enough people, you know, we're all God's people. We all have that fire. We can release that. We don't need to know what the person needs releasing. We don't know whether there's a healing there that needs to happen, but we can do that now. So I'd like to open the chair to, to anybody that would like to come forward. That's great. We've got a hot seat here this morning. Who's brave enough to come and take a seat in the hot seat? And let's...